0: Hello and welcome to Socialist Think Tank. I'm Laura Daly and this is The Social Ties. Hello and welcome to The Social Ties. I'm so excited to have with me today Sam Johnson. Hello Sam, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm really fine, thank you very much. Nice to
0: be here. Oh, I'm so pleased you're here with us. Thanks so much for coming. I'm also really excited to tell people about what it is that you're involved with. Uh, this is a subject really close to my heart. Um, so if, I, if we just get right into it, Sam, tell me about the project that you're involved in.
1: Okay, great. Um, well, so to start with, we have um, a charity called the Match Girls Memorial which is basically set up to, a prime aim is to get um, memorials to the Match Girls. Um, and that includes you know, a statue and possibly murals and mosaics, all, all sorts of things, because there's just nothing to um, commemorate the, um, the brave actions that they took back in 1888, uh, which I'll come to in a moment. Um, so also the other thing we're really, really keen to do is, is Push out on the education side. So, we want to involve communities and children, young people, you know, to really remind people of the story and to make people aware who perhaps weren't aware of it before. So, we've got a big kind of education program going on as well with some great people in the charity working with us on that. I mean, we have, we've got um, brilliant patrons um, Diana Holland of um, Unite and Barbara Plant from GMB and Anita Dobson, who obviously people know as an actress. Um, but we also, under the, underneath the charity, we have kind of a support network of trustees and also ambassadors. And the ambassadors have a particular role that they focus on like women's history or local community or heritage, et cetera. And each one of them kind of brings something different. And at the moment, um, we've got a really big push on the education side with a couple of really great people, a combination of a trustee and a, an ambassador working together. One's a songwriter and one's a playwright. And they're producing some amazing stuff to, um, you know, to produce for children. We're working in Southampton at the moment, which you might actually find quite unusual. Um, but the reason for that is because we discovered one of the strike leaders of the Ratch of the Girls strike um, actually was born in Southampton. Um, we only discovered this a year ago, and and actually it's a funny coincidence because it's where I live as well. So um, so it's kind of quite nice to have that kind of local local aspect to to draw on as well. Um, but just if I just step back a bit, so some people might not know about the strike and why we think it's so important to commemorate it with a with a charity and a, and a statue, etc. Um, and what happened basically was back in. The late 1800s, there was quite a lot of kind of unrest. Um, factory workers were being treated really, really badly. Um, there were also a number of social reformers of the day that were trying to kind of push for change, and I believe it was a kind of combination of these factors that came together. Um, so the the match girls at the factory in Bryant and May, which is in Fairfield Road in Bow, in the East End of London, they basically put up with terrible conditions, they had to work really long hours, sort of 12, 14 hour days, six days a week. And they did this for very low pay and there was an unfair fine system. And on top of all of this, they had had to put up with Fozzy Jaw. So Fozzy Jaw is basically, um, to make the matches, they used something called white phosphorus. And this was, you know, to enable the matches to strike. But it was dangerous. White phosphorus could cause something called osteonecrosis. And that was otherwise known as fuzzy jaw because it's basically a cancer of the bone which could eat away at your jaw. And um, it was really terribly dangerous. So um, that they were also forced to uh, work in the same place that they ate. So they're working there all day. They have to stop for lunch. They had to stay in the same room, in the same room as these chemicals. Um, And the terrible thing about it was really that there was a more um, friendly phosphorus called red red phosphorus that didn't have the same dangerous properties. But Bryant and May found that using the cheaper white phosphorus was better for business, funnily enough. So they they continued to use that um, right up until um, the early 1900s. Um, even after the strike in fact, but but the strike action was really driven by the, the bad conditions day to day, the long hours, the low pay, the fines, the foreman being cruel to the workers, you know, thing, things like that that just weren't on really. And um, what happened at the same time was there were the, the Fabian Society, which was a, a, a sort of labor left-wing uh, think tank of the time. Um, they got together and there were people in this in this forum, like Clementina Black, um, Annie Besant, uh, George Bernard Shaw, um, people like this, Sydney Webb, all all of the kind of big, big thinkers of the day as well. And they got together on the 15th of June in 1888. And they they actually noted that the Bryant and May directors were actually paying out shareholder dividends of 20% plus and paying their workers' starvation wages. So they actually proposed that they boycott the whole sale of the matches. And the result of this was next day, the next day, um, Annie Besant, who'd been at the meeting and Herbert Burroughs, decided to go down to the factory and have a word with some of the girls themselves. And tr- you know, sure enough, they, they gave them the whole pitch, you know, the whole thing about how awful it was. And Annie was so outraged, she actually had a, she had a weekly magazine called The Link, and she wrote an article in there called "White Slavery in London." And it basically just laid bare the whole truth of everything that went on in the factory. Um, and this was published a week later. Um, and as you can imagine, the Bryant and May directors were kind of pretty furious about this, and they threatened Annie with, um, with libel. But the, the other significant thing they did was try to get their workers to sign a document to say that any of the stuff in the article was, you know, just to basically say it wasn't true. And they they refused to do that. And um, there, there was kind of quite a lot of unrest at this time, as you can imagine. People weren't very happy at all, um, especially probably I can imagine knowing that somebody out there was starting to champion their cause. And... The result was that there was um, a sacking of like like for, for some petty reason. Um, a, a, so I think it was three girls got sacked, and so <clears throat> the word of this got round the factory, and this basically acted as the last straw, you know. And they just down tools and out they went, and maybe not the whole factory all in one go, but in in phases as they all got to know about it, they all went out. So about fourteen hundred workers went out on strike, uh, which is pretty powerful stuff really, um, and they, they actually had written a letter to Annie, which is kind of the dear lady letter, which is um, quite a, a touching letter that they wrote appealing to her for help, because they saw her as somebody that might be able to help them um, get better conditions etc. But um, so she, she received this letter and didn't really understand why. Um, Until the day after they'd gone out on strike, about 200 of them marched down from the East End into um, Fleet Street, into Bouverie Street, where she had her office. And basically just rocked up and kind of like, you know, knocked on the door and said, hello, you know, we're here. So she invited three of them up to see her. And... um, she wasn't really a fa- in favour of strike action. She didn't really like that, you know, that approach. But, you know, it was a bit late by then. So, you know, as miffed as she might have been, she agreed to help them and get them organised. And although, they, were, you know, they were very organised themselves anyway to have got this far. So um, with, you know, the, they started to have meetings in local areas in the East End. And um, there was a place called Mile End Waste and there was a Stepney Meeting Hall. Charrington's Hall was another place. Uh, Mr. Charrington, who had a brewery at the time, allowed them to use his rooms to to meet. And they, slowly but surely, they they rallied support from the public um, and from the newspapers. I mean, the Pall Mall Gazette and the Star newspapers were kind of on board fairly early on, but the Times was a bit anti. But gradually, as they started to make their case and more people started to listen, people started to turn their heads and then the press started to turn in their favour. Um, They actually went um, down to Parliament with with Annie. Um, I think 56 of them marched down there with her, and 12 of them were allowed in to speak to MPs, and they met um, Charles Coneybeer and Robert Cunningham Graham, who agreed to speak up for them, um, as Charles Bradlaugh MP had done as well. And so they had the MPs on their side, and then Toynbee Hall got involved. And the London Trades Council, and they agreed to go and have a word with the directors. And uh basically they had a meeting with them on the 16th of July, which is actually only uh 14th, um, was it the fifth? Sorry, I'm gonna to have to cut this bit out, I think, when I do my calculations. Um, between the they walked out on strike on the fifth. And London Trades Council managed to secure a meeting on the 16th, so only 11 days after they'd gone out on strike, um, and they managed to convince the directors that they would meet with the strike committee that had been formed, and this was made up of, of eight of the um, the girls um, who represented them and uh, they went in to meet them the next day and they had some strike demands which included, you know, giving uh, stopping the fines and um, giving them somewhere to, to eat, you know, that was safe, et cetera. And with, with the bosses, they also agreed to form a union. And basically, all of their strike demands were met, which was pretty amazing, really. And but I think they were probably fairly formidable women. They knew how to stand up for themselves. You know, they they were um, they were kind of feisty, um, and they they knew what they wanted. So that's what happened, and it was you know, 12 days later and they, they won this strike, it was just amazing, but the, the next thing they did would form a union and um, then seven of the eight that had been on the committee actually went on to be in the, the um, union committee and they were joined by five others, so there were 12 and you may have seen, I mean you can just google match girls and there's a, there's a famous picture of 12 of them with Annie Besant and uh, Herbert Burrows, and that's the union committee that they formed after they won the strike. And um, so, so yeah, it was a great victory. And people think of the Dock strike, which was a year later in 1889, as the kind of beginning of the labor movement, the beginning of the trade union movement, um, at least the, 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 the new union movement. And um, actually, it, it wasn't. It all started a year before with the match girls because the match girls were, you know, in the same families as the dock strikers, and they were probably inspired by their female counterparts um, to, you know, to stand up and um, be, be kind of get the, the, the things that they deserved as well. So it was it was pretty amazing, and what they stand for today, I think, is fantastic. You know, and it's 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 a really really great story.
0: it's an absolutely fantastic story and one of my favorites and I have seen that photo I, I didn't realize that was the committee that has made it all the more special that photo <laughs> I, I love it so much um so I mean god where to start with that there's, there's so much to talk about there the you mentioned there were um 1400 of them went out on strike um you're not trying to get memorials for 1400 women are you?
1: <laughs> no, I mean it would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, it, it would. <laughs> I mean, in the news recently, there was um, uh, an article in um, a, a paper to say that some MPs were trying to get statues for nearly 2,000 Victoria Cross um, recipients, which you know, which is a great, a great aspiration. Um, but it just happens that most of those Victoria Cross recipients are men. Um, And we do have a a very terrible shortage in this country of female versus male statues. I mean, it's something very paltry. Like if you take out royalty and unnamed statues and angels and naked nymphs and things like that, there's something like 3% of statues are actually named women. And it has got better in the last few years since um, the likes of Emmeline Pankhurst and and, um, Mary Wollstonecraft and, and such like. There's been quite a few more in the last few years, but still we've got a long way to go. And if we suddenly get swamped by nearly 2,000 men, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a long way to go. However, saying that, we don't have an aspiration to have a a statue to every match girl, um, as nice as it would be and as tempting as it is. Um, But what we do want to do is get um, a statue that, that represents them, all of them, in the East End and something that commemorates everything that they did, everything that they stand for and to inspire young people today to basically stand up for their rights and you know you you, you can you, you can always get what you want if you just if you just will not always get what you want but you can always um there's no voice too small you can stand up for what you believe in and you know there's always a chance that you if you're on the right side then you will achieve what you want to
0: yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of the messages we try to get across. No voice too small. I love that. That is just spot on. Um, I mean, I suppose, especially nowadays as well, that it seems like there's not, I mean, people aren't getting fozzy jar anymore, but there doesn't seem to be um, <clears throat> such a huge difference these days, you know, with the disparity of pay between the owners of the business and the, the lowest paid within a business. So um, hopefully this does inspire people to realise that actually that's, not quite right and that their voice will matter it's made a, it made a hell of a difference for the match girls um so did did do you know if all the match girls ended up going back to work once they started the union
1: i believe so yes yeah. so they they were all um taken back even the ones that had been sacked that was one of the demands of the of the um of the strike so they were all taken back and um yeah as, as far as i know they 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 all continued to work and um, i mean it was a very fairly um up and down kind of workforce I think you know that when the work demand was there and then sometimes in the summer some of them would go off to to Kent and pick hops and things like that you know they'd go wherever the work was um but I think when when they're really busy you know they could go up to 2,000 in in the workforce so it was it was really important to make sure it was a good you know better place to work.
0: I'm interested as well you mentioned that um the, the workforce were being given fines. What were they being fined for?
1: So it was usually very petty things like um, dropping matches, wanting to go to the loo, um, being late, you know, a- anything that was really petty, any excuse really to, to fine them. And they, they didn't start out with much money. Um, you know, So if you then have to lose some of it to fines, um, you weren't left with very much at the end of the week, which is um, you know, very unfair.
0: God, yeah. I can definitely see why they organise themselves and, and just a, another nod to what women can do when they get together and organise. I'm a big advocate for that. As you lo- you'll know, if you've seen the show, you'll have seen me banging on. I've got me wall of amazing women and it's grown. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you mentioned there about the education Part of it that you're going to do. Um, how are you going to How are you going to deliver that? And what, and what? What is that education? What is it going to be? A workshop? Is it going to be books? What What are your plans there?
1: Yeah. So our plans are to to give workshops, um, and this this will be around um, basically focused on young people and youth groups initially. Um, and what we want to do is is to get pe- young people thinking about you know what they can do themselves really to inspire them to think in their own lives, what they, what they can achieve, but to draw strength from what what the match girl's story gives them really. So, you know, to, to, we will use kind of drama and song and art and, you know, any, any kind of medium that we can really to get the, the story across and hopefully to work with schools. I mean, sadly, the the match girls not in my time but um, I've got cousins um, who actually remember the match girls being taught at school so it is there somewhere on the curriculum it just needs to be pulled back to the front of the queue Um, but we think if we if we produce some information for schools and youth groups etc then you know there's, there's every chance that it gets teachers thinking about it again and they might you know they might actually be inspired to um to, you know to bring it back to the front of the history lessons and um I mean not just history lessons but you know politics as well it's 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 about everything and it's about empowering young people and making them believe in themselves
0: yeah I think and I think that's probably the way you'll have to go about it as well um more down the lines of empowering young people and and training them in the art of debate and that kind of thing because i think um, particularly this government and i'm sure many before aren't that fond of teaching trade unionism in schools and there's um, gavin williamson's just announced that um, it'll be really frowned upon if you you're not basically in schools you're not allowed to say anything that would be against capitalism um so that baffles me entirely because these are the movements this trade union um, togetherness and cooperation these are the things we should be teaching our young people um so and I can't believe it was actually on the curriculum if we could find those lessons and get that back on the curriculum that there's a there's a petition we need to start to <laughs> get match yeah, girls yeah. back on the curriculum
1: yeah. just I a mean, wonderful we, thing we have actually found um evidence of some some lessons um that are available so it's not it's not that it's not there it's just that they need you know maybe bringing to the fore and dusting off a little which is what we're trying to do we're trying to help with that
0: process oh brilliant that's absolutely brilliant what what, just a wonderful thing to do can I ask um how you came across the project how did you get involved and, and and why was it something that you wanted to get involved in
1: um so About uh, four and a half years ago, in fact, September 2016, um, I was doing some family history research and I was actually researching my great grandfather on my father's side. So I typed his name in with his wife's name into Google and basically um, uh, a little kind of plea for help from ancestry.com came up in my Google search um, from a lady called um, Anna Robinson. And she was doing some research as far back as 2003. So bear in mind, I'm looking at this in 2016. She had a plea for help in 2003 saying she was doing some research on Sarah Chapman, who was married to Charles Henry Dearman. Um, And she was interested in her because she was one of the leaders of the Match Girls strike. And I'm like, this is my great grandmother. I mean, it was just, it it was a kind of jaw dropping moment really. Um, I remember I was I was actually working that day and I just kind of stopped in a tea break to kind of Google this and I, I think it's fair to say and I don't work for the same employer now so it's fine to say I um, didn't get anything else done all day I was just kind of you know researching match girls all day and just so excited uh, about it and, and actually to think that my great grandmother was one of the leaders of the strike and I knew nothing about it it had not been passed down through the family nobody knew anything about it. And then it popped up because, because Anna was was doing this research. So I then had to find Anna, obviously, because I needed to, to know why, why she needed to know. And um, again, through the power of the internet, I managed to find her. And um, she had actually, it turned out, had done her um, thesis, her master's thesis, all about Sarah Chapman and her role in the Match Girls strike. And that kind of led me to be able to learn more about what she did, Um, but also it kind of led to my own research as well. And, you know, we've learned so much more since that time. Um, And yeah, it's it's just amazing. So we, we, first of all, we we got into the the whole Sarah Chapman thing and found out more about her. Then we discovered that her grave actually at Manor Park Cemetery was under threat of, of something called mounding. Um, so we've got a, a big campaign going to try and save this this process of mounding, which means we could lose her grave, um, her grave and other people's graves. Um, that's been going on into, since 2017. Um, with, the, with the help of some unions, we've actually bought her a proper headstone because her grave was unmarked. It was a pauper's grave and it was completely unmarked and she was just being used as a footpath, basically. So um, we've got um, a petition going to, um, to try and stop that mounding process. But we've had years of dialogue with the cemetery. They're a private cemetery, so they can do what they like, really. Um, but we've also got the Ministry of Justice on board. Um, we've got lots of MPs backing us um, and unions to, to try and get this at least investigated. Um, but we do, we've do. we got a headstone. We've got a fantastic headstone for Sarah. We just can't actually put it anywhere at the moment. So um it's um it's a shame but so that that's just one of our campaigns but then we got on to thinking on a wider sense about the match girls the more we learned about them the more fantastic we thought they were um and we thought they deserved some kind of memorial and and that's what really led me to decide to start a charity um to raise funds to to give them all and this isn't just about sarah this is about all of them to give them all a you know a fitting memorial and so we we've got this amazing team of people I think there's 18 of us now um working on this and it's it's just really great I mean it's it's still good we're still a way ahead you know to get where we want to go but but it's um yeah it's very personal to me I mean there's there's so many different angles and facets to this story as well because obviously I came into this from a family history perspective um and we've got we've got you know union members involved we've got um know very political people people who aren't very political they're just interested in the story you know we've got so many different kind of angles um there's also an awful lot of history on the the arts because there were plays written about the match girls in, in as far back as the 1940s and we've you know we've got a whole load of research on that going on as well and it's it's really really exciting um to think you know all the different ways that you can celebrate the Match Girls. We've just recently had our first poetry competition, and we hope to be producing our new um, our first poetry book this year at some point. So, um, so there's just so many things. I mean, it's all it's almost difficult to remember all the things that we've got going on really um, to to tell you about. But it's um yeah, it's really really exciting, and it's and it's what's really lovely as well. People are starting to come to us and ask us how they can help because they want to get involved. I'm um, Just on Saturday, I was talking to a chap who's so enthralled with the story. He just wants to give us his time and do some research for us. It's just, you know, it's just brilliant that people want to... People are so kind of, kind of moved by this story, I guess, that, that they just want to come and help, which is, is absolutely fantastic. And, we, you know, we welcome help from anyone because it's, it's such a great, a great story to celebrate.
0: It is. I am absolutely blown away by the amount of things you've done and the fact that you're related as well. Talk about standing on the shoulders of giants, dear me. It's it's so exciting. I, I love stuff like this. <laughs> it really interests me. I could probably talk to you for another four hours. Um, and again, the fact that she was in an unmarked grave, somebody who'd clearly done something so important as well. This is really sad. And another... Testament to how women's histories haven't been told, and they don't get remembered, and they just get shoved under the carpet. Another thing that um, there's a group of us up here, the Women's Banner Group, we're trying to tackle that. Um, there are severely, uh, there's a severe lack of blue plaques as well. Have you thought about getting a blue plaque for them? Is, is does a blue plaque exist for them?
1: Yes. Well, so there's there's an unofficial blue plaque um, on the old because the old Brian and May factory still stands in Bow. Um, but un- well not unfortunately for the people that live there I guess but it's a gated community so it's, it's been turned into residential flats so I think there's about 700 flats in there now um, but they have um, a plaque on the outside um, unfortunately it just says Annie Besant and the match girls so it doesn't really pay homage to the, the actual match girls themselves really it just treats them as a collective which is why one of my other campaigns I'll just slightly divert is, is to get the 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 names of the ones that were on the committee, we can't name every single 1400 girls, but to get the, the names of, of the 13 that were on the committees, to get them named and their names known and ideally read out on International Women's Day in Parliament, I mean that's my absolute dream to get that done. Um, and we, we are working on that, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, big, a big thing to achieve. But that would be amazing to me. And I really, really want to get those those 13 names known. I just want them to be known names. But, but, you know, going back to the blue plaque thing, we can't fit 13 girls' names on a blue plaque. It's too much. But there is an application in by the residents of the Bow Quarter, which is now the name of the factory, to have an English heritage blue plaque um, to you know, an official one to the Match Girls. I don't actually know what the the wording would be, um, but but that's well underway. And I think it's hopeful that that will be approved at some stage fairly soon. Um, But we have got an aspiration to also, we're researching all of these girls and we'd like to get um, plaques to each of them, really. So we know where my great-grandma, Sarah, we know where she grew up and where she lived at the time of the strike. We also know this Kate Sclater I mentioned earlier who was born in Southampton. We know where she was born in Southampton. So what we'd really like to do is get all of them an individual plaque where they where they grew up or where they were born um, to commemorate each of them. Um, and and then I, I guess kind of the other end of their life as well, we'd also really like to find out where they're all buried. So we found Sarah's grave and we've, we're doing our best to save it by hook or by crook you know how that ends up working out i don't know but um we know at least of one other of the of the leaders i, I call them leaders the ones that were on the committees um we know where one other is is buried um we've yet to see it because of covid um but um, what we'd really like to do is find out where they all are and make sure they've all got a fitting tribute at the end of their life so um in fact the more we think about it the more campaigns we keep coming up with so we'll probably be doing this until I retire. Um, so um, yeah, it's um, w- ways of um, of commemorating them is definitely on our list. And we w- whether it's official English blue, you know, um, English heritage blue plaques we do, or whether we have a kind of you know charity branded or the local council branded um, kind of plaque is you know is is up for debate at the moment, but. Um, there's so many different ways that we can commemorate them. I mean, we were just recently talking to Tower Hamlets Council about another potential way that we could commemorate the Match Girls in the borough so that people know more about them. And another really lovely thing that happened recently was one of the local residents who actually heard me talking last June, I think, about Sarah's um, campaign to save her grave. They actually... um, Knew of a new block of flats was being built in Tower Hamlets, and um, so they apparently they were after names, and so this person proposed that the name is um, the sorry the new block of flats is named after Sarah Chapman, um, and we've now had it confirmed. The council's accepted the pro- um, the um, the application and the um, the proposition, and so in spring of next year we're hoping that that that's going to happen, and there'll be an you know opening ceremony. So things like that are just amazing and you know but I'm I'm really passionate that those kind of things happen for all of them not just I've obviously got a very personal connection to Sarah but I don't want people for a second to think that my aspiration is just for her I want you know some people in the early days thought I wanted a statue to Sarah I don't I, d- I don't want that I want a statue that commemorates all of them collectively because they were a collective and what they did was collective action and and it was brilliant but they were individuals in that collective action
0: um what other ways can people get involved um and, and, and sort of offer any help because i'm i'm sure this is a campaign that so many people can happily get behind
1: yeah i mean i guess the fir- the first and easiest way is is social media is you know when we I mean, I've been particularly busy lately, so I haven't really been on top of my social media thing, but, um, but really when, 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 we get, when, I, when I get my act together, sharing and, and, you know, the stories that we put out and sharing the campaigns, signing, signing the petition, um, you know, coming to the, the website in particular and giving us feedback. Because we have a feedback page and we'd really like to hear what people think about what we're doing. And if we are going, are we going in the right direction, you know, do people think we should be doing something else or less or more or, you know, so we're very, very interested to have people's um, input on that. Um, And people can sign up to our mailing list. So we try to send out, you know, kind of um, updates. Try to do it monthly. Um, so, yeah, we, we try to keep people updated if they subscribe to the website. So they can subscribe to the website. They can share stuff on social media. They can come to our website and leave us feedback. Um, if they want to volunteer to help in some way, we'd be really, really happy to, to hear from them. Um, hopefully, once COVID is um, passed, by some point past the middle of this year, hopefully, we'll start having events again. Because we have we've got some amazing events coming up. Um, unfortunately the next the next one is going to be still while we're in lockdown we're going to celebrate um, something that was called the match tax rebellion in 1871 so it's the 150th anniversary of that this year and we are going to um, have an event and one of the things that we'll we're going to be asking people to do is to um, get involved in a social media campaign So, that is really something that people could get behind. I mean, we're going to have a hashtag and a, you know, something that kind of um, links it to what we're trying to do. And so, if people can get behind that campaign and share, you know, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, um, all of those kind of good things. But if people are really, really passionate to do something individually and get involved, then the best thing they can do is, is contact me and we can work out where you know, where they could best fit in, you know, with their strengths. As I said, I, I spoke to a chap at the weekend and he he just he's got time and he just wants to do some research for us. So that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, other people may want to help us give presentations or help run an event when Covid, you know, Covid's gone, that kind of thing. And that's all the kind of thing that we're we're after. Um, uh, and, and just generally getting the word out there and spreading the word is is what we're is what we're all about, really.
0: Well, I think it's wonderful and I, I th- i'm I'm pretty confident we can get um a fair few people to definitely share what you're doing but I think a few people will be really keen on getting involved and, and offer support and volunteer in whatever way they can so what we'll do is um Sam we will share all of your links everything that you have available um we will bombard our website with I would be really interested in getting those names as well so we can get those up there um that would be absolutely fantastic i feel like we are going to be doing this again sam this has just been so interesting and i've loved talking to you about this i've wanted to know a bit more about this for for quite some time um and i can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to us it's been really excellent so thank you
1: real real pleasure great to talk to you
0: um and as i as i say we'll share all your links we'll spread the word shout it from the rooftops um if you have enjoyed this episode of the social ties please don't forget to like share and subscribe